Live. We'll be streaming live Sunday. Morning. Welcome to Rick Bonfan Ministries. In case you don't know me, I'm Jason Goins. I'm here to speak to you today out of the book of Ephesians. Um, to be honest with you, I looked at the verses for today. I started to struggle for a minute. Um, what the Lord said to me last night, you are not hopeless. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. He said, you are not hopeless. So, I want to go back to move us forward. Okay, the this book is not a book. It's a letter. So, it has a thought process going on here, right? And it's important to pick up the thought process. So, we're going to go back a little bit and see how that works. Right, this is a letter sent out to a whole bunch of people all over all over the place. <clears throat> so it says Ephesians, but it's not written just to Ephesus. It's written to the region that the bigger church of Ephesus would cover. Right? So we gotta have that understanding. So the verses I want to look back at to start today. Um, comes from chapter 1, um, verses 1, 15 through 18. It says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. This is important. The next part I'm about to say is important to what we just read. Why do you want the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Because I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Hope has power. See, Paul says it right here. He introduces the letter, says, Hi, everybody. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad I'm getting to write you. And then he says, This is what I'm praying for all of you that you have hope because I saw your love and I saw your faith. I want you to have hope along with it. Right? He prays that they will receive hope because they're missing something. Right? In 1 Corinthians, he talks a little bit to the Corinthians about this. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, Now, these three things Remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So, if if love's so important, why do we have to worry about the other stuff, right? Well, hope is important because of this. Um, I actually came across a little audio sermon by Derek Prince. He, he was talking about hope. 
I was listening to it last night. He said, hope is the serene, confident expectation of good. See, hope renews faith and strengthens love. So without hope, you can start to kind of lose one of those two a little bit. You can lose sight of love, and you can start to get down in your faith, right? Faith is right now, and hope is tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, right? Faith is the substance of hope. Like, faith is the materialization of your hope, right? So, that's how hope helps us keep moving forward in faith. That's why it's so important to Paul that all of these people keep holding on to hope so that they don't lose track of their faith. You have to keep that in mind as you read the rest of the letter because the rest of the letter, from what I read, is giving you reasons for hope. As you as you read on, you'll see all these different things that God has given you to help you keep hope in your life. <clears throat> and especially when you read the part that I'm about to read, you could... Like right off the bat, if you just start right out at the very beginning of chapter 2 and you didn't read the, this first part, you might get a little depressed. It might feel a little rough, right? If you read just the first parts of that second chapter. And it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Important to point out here that we were all just as bad as the worst people we can think of at some point in our life. We were dead. We didn't think we were dead. We thought we were pretty alive at a couple points. And a lot of the times, we think, oh, what's great living? You only live once. There was a saying, right? That was, my sister's a little younger than me, and that was a saying of her generation. And you'd say you only live once when you're about to do something a little bit crazy, a little bit risky, or maybe just you shouldn't be doing it. But you only live once, right? So, but Paul says, no, no, you weren't living then, right? You were already dead, and you didn't even know it. Actually, in Genesis, this is what Paul is pointing to, right? Genesis, God says to Adam, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. See, Adam ate the fruit and began the cycle of death. Adam ate the fruit, and he thought, oh, I took one bite. It didn't kill me, right? But what he didn't know was he began to die to hope. Right? The garden is 
is our hope. If you read the book of Revelation, it comes back to the earth. Our hope is not to die and go to something above the clouds in a, in a heaven. It's that someday God's going to bring us all back together in one place and we're going to live like we did before Adam got kicked out of the garden. It says he'll be in a holy city. So we'll... we'll uh, be able to have some houses too. That'll be nice, right? We'll have we'll have a couple places to live instead of just living in the trees and hanging out. But the hope that comes at the end of the Bible is that God, man, and all of creation come together. And that's the power of hope that Paul's talking about, right? <clears throat> So he goes on to say this. He says, but, right? So remember what we just said. You were all dead. You were messed up. You're going the wrong way. And yes, he reminds us, oh yeah, you were dead too. So there's hope for others, right? I wanted to. I just want to come back to that one more time. I don't know who that's for today, but there's somebody out there that you don't have hope for Pray for God to give you hope for that person if it's not you. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ. Jesus Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmen's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us. That's a lot. <laughs> like I just spit out a whole lot of stuff there, right? But let, let's break it down, okay? Because of His love, right? Faith and hope come out of love. Because of His love, Jesus Christ came, took on a body like people, and though we were dead like He was after the cross, God raised us back up. He gave us multiple chances. Everybody says, well, God's a God of a second chance, right? Well, that's a little understated, I think, because I think God gives us chance after chance after chance, especially when we're redeemed of the Lord. You ever, If you ever read the Old Testament, those guys got a lot of chances. They messed up a lot. And God kept bringing them back, just like He does with us. But now, even more so, that we have Jesus. He showed Himself that way in the Old Testament, and proved himself that way in the New. 
See, it says God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's the hope that Paul is getting at. We're not where we think we are. Circumstances get us. Look, we've had a hard year or so, right? Everybody in this nation has had different struggles, all kinds of things. I'll tell you, you know, I got a little down. I gained like 20 pounds sitting around with COVID. I, I gained a bunch of weight. And it was when I gain a bunch of weight, I get a little depressed, to be honest. You know, I just get gloomy, and I can't do it, and it, and it makes it worse, right? And then God just started talking to me about hope, and he's like, get up. And he, um, I had a conversation with a person at a, at a, that runs a gym that's like real close to me, and he said, come on, just, you know, just come on, and let, let's go, and that wasn't, you know, he, he doesn't really know the Lord. I'm talking to him, but but that was God bringing me some hope. Hey, we can we can break out of the funk. We can we can get out of this situation, right? Just start moving, right? Whenever the hope is stuck, just start moving. That comes a little later, right? Keep that in mind for verse 10, right? Whenever you get stuck, just start moving, right? We'll get there. But what we have to realize is we're not in the down dumps, right? It says, He seated us in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, in order to to get a grasp of that, we have to look at the next verse. It says, In order that in the coming ages we might show, He might show the in." comparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Watch the word. Kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Those are important. Now, here's a, here's a fun thing that um, I learned recently. So if, if you know me, you know that I have this prayer tent that I travel with, and it and it's based on the fruits of the Spirit. <clears throat> One of those fruits is kindness. And I always kind of thought kindness was niceness, right? It was like being polite, you know, wiping your hands and, you know, saying ni- neat, fun stuff to people, you know, Whatever it is, right? But that's not the root of what the word kindness means. If you break down this word, and I don't have a way to show you this, but take the first three letters of the word, right? K-I-N. That spells kin. Okay, Kin is of a type or a family. Kin it used to have an E in it way, way back in the day. Kin edness. That means familyedness in Christ Jesus. God seated us with Him 
in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus because he wants to prove his kinnedness or his familyness to us in Christ Jesus. That means we sit down with Jesus like family at the table. That's communion. That's what we express, right, at communion. This is what Paul is saying. Communion reminds us of the hope we have because we're family now. We we kind of um it's kind of like a teenager, right? Adam eats the fruit or and or we do what whatever we do and what happens is we kind of tell daddy I want to be on my own. Right? But Jesus comes and says, hey, Dad wants to invite you to a meal, right? Jesus uses meal parables multiple times, right? I invited these people to the meal. They didn't, they didn't have anything to do, but they made excuses and they didn't show up, right? So go out and invite some other people that do want to come to my party, right? That's God showing his kindness, right? An invitation to the table. That's hope. Hope is not in family in the way that we think of, that I might think of my sons, right? It's a broader familyness. It's a bigger relation. Right? We are related to Christ, and therefore, He covers for us, right? He comes to our defense, He comes to our aid, and as I was pointing out earlier, he says to us, I want to come back to you, right? We start coming to him, but in Revelation, he says, I'm coming back to you. We come to faith in him. He draws us near to him, and it says, those who draw near to the Lord, he draws near to them. Right? The hard thing is hope, when we start to lose it, we can lose the desire of the drawing near part. Right? We we kind of lose the Lord, I, I'm drawing near to you. You you get we get down a little bit and uh it it's like, Oh, you're so far away. You're so far away. But Really, the conversation is, is he so far away, or are you hiding in your hopelessness? Are you hidden in hopelessness, right? You see that, again, we'll go back to Adam and Eve, right? You see that in the garden. Adam and Eve cover themselves up, (coughs) hidden in their hopelessness all of a sudden. They have this great new thing, but they're hidden in hopelessness. And it says above, right, that in that time... They fell under the kingdom of the power of the air, right? That's back up a couple verses there in this chapter, right? That's under the authority and kinship with Satan, with the devil, right? He lured us in, and we took a little bit of, of time to, to come under that voice, to hear those lessons. Right? That's the that's going back to the YOLO idea, right? You only live once. 
idea. What God is saying here, He gave you grace by faith. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves. From yourselves, it is the gift of God. Right? Grace is a gift. Grace, you can say that old line, grace is unmerited favor. But it's a lot more than that. It's a gift from God. It's an outpouring of God's Spirit. It says that for these, for we are made God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, right? So grace reacts to to your faith, right? It builds as your faith builds, and then it builds faith. And hope interacts with those and builds your faith and builds your faith. And faith builds your hope. And on and on and so on and so on. It builds and builds and builds and gets bigger and bigger, right? And then it says, you were saved by all these things to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right? A lot of people get to verse 8 and they say, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Right? And they get stuck right there. And they say, well, then that means I can just, like, lounge around. Like, that's, that's going to be my life now. I, I'm saved through grace. I don't have to do anything. I never had to earn it. You didn't have to earn it, but it says you were saved by grace through faith. Then it says you were created to do good works. You were recreated by grace through your faith, to do good things. So I'm not saying that you buy your faith with works, but I am saying that your faith is the is the substance of action, right? Faith is the substance of hope and the evidence of things unseen. And it's done most of the time, most of the time, It's done in partnership with God, right? What I mean by that? You have faith. You're saved. God says, now go. Right? Jesus doesn't say, you're saved. Now hang out. He says, when the power comes, and it's going to come, then go. When the the assignment comes, then move. Right? If the if the apostles had sat in the upper room and Pentecost had never come, they would be hopeless. Right? They would still be sitting there and Christianity would just be a bunch of old skeletons in an upper room. So they reacted to their faith when God poured out his spirit. By moving, 
by bringing hope into the world. You see, their message of hope allowed God to give His gift of grace through faith to an entire world. So when you're stuck and you feel a little hopeless, remember why you were reborn. To do good works. When you're hopeless, you got to move. When you're in the upper room waiting for the breakthrough, start looking for the Spirit to tell you where you need to go. This is God's plan. This is hope. There's hope that you can change the world. One person at a time. There's hope that you have power, right? It says, in, you have hope because God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Jesus in order that the coming age He might show the incomparable riches of grace expressed in His kindness, right? This is power. This is the power of God through His salvation. That hope comes from movement. Movement forward. So as you come to faith, as you see the Lord moving in your life, don't get stuck there. Right? This is what Jesus told Peter at the transfiguration. Right? The transfiguration was this great illumination and people people talk about mountaintop experiences in Christian terms, right? Which is refers to the transfiguration where Peter sees Jesus and it's great and glorious and he sees the whole world like it's going to be when heaven comes to earth and everything and Jesus is lit up and there's all these great things happening and he says, "You know what we should do? We should camp out here." And Jesus says, "No, no, 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 no." That's not the right way to go. I have things that, that I need to do. I need to bring hope to the world. I need to bring God's grace. So at the at the cross is what he was talking about. Right? He said, I need to move on to something that seems so hopeless so that hope can come through resurrection. So Christ is our living hope today. This is our hope. That God has created us for good works and He has power to enable us to do this. We'll see this a little more in chapters to come. How He's going to empower His people to do the good works. So let me pray for us today. Lord God, I thank You for today. In every day. I thank you that you sent Jesus to be our living hope. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, Lord, help us to respond today. with hope in the future, Lord. With hope in the future you have for us, Lord God.
thank You that You haven't forgotten us. That You haven't forsaken us, Lord. You are worthy and mighty. And holy to be praised. In Jesus' name, Amen. Brilha a luz que é no meu viver.